This is the number one emotional gap. There is one side that is in love, and the other side doesn't even know that. Like, they know that there's a lot of in-loved fans, but they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're in love at. Right. How could they satisfy their need of attention? Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Loomi Tech and sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. Let's talk fans. Meet Asaf Nouveau, the CEO and co-founder of Pico, Get Personal, a data-driven fan marketing platform helping sports organizations across the globe identify their digital fans. Nevo and his team of founders are revolutionizing fan marketing and in turn the fan experience through Pico's AI and data capture technology. With more than 50 plus international teams, Pico is leading the paradigm shift on fan marketing and data management, creating opportunities for personalized fan experiences that entice greater levels of connection from fans to franchises. Asaf Nevo, thank you for joining me this morning. How are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, the integration of technology, of sports teams and fan bases and, and creating this, you know, this engaged crowd. Uh, obviously, sports and fans is one of the, you know, the oldest phenomena in, in the world. I can, already, I can think all the way back to the Coliseum, right, with the gladiators and the fans right. on the sides cheering and screaming. And, and you know, uh, while I may not be a diehard fan myself uh, in some sports, I see, you know, around me all... All these amazing people that are just you know crazy about their team and crazy about what they're doing and so I really want to get into this mindset of of why does that happen and how do you use pico and and leverage pico to help teams create that engagement but before all that stuff I'd love to go all the way back to your nightlife days and you know, your your integration of tech into nightlife tell me about that and then we'll transition into your current startup yeah well it, it looks like it's gonna be super super interesting as we've been you've been noted like few points of The most important points of my life currently so maybe we need like a few hours to <laughs> to cover all I don't have anything today we can go on <laughs> yeah so starting you know nightlife is a is a market or, or a business that has like a real um, sometimes cliche about who's running it and when I started my journey at the nightlife I came like you see like I'm a super geek I don't I don't look like maybe like the ordinary nightlife owner as you would expect to expect me to look or feel. But when we started this business, it was 2007, I was like 23 years old. And what really, what really burned inside me was the, the need of opening a place that's going to be clean. Clean in terms of, you know, working with all the required regulations and with insurance and paying the employees as needed. And like to prove first to myself, but also to the world that this, this cliche about these type of businesses doesn't have to really... really be like you can actually run a successful nightlife business and still you know remain like a regular human being without doing things that you're not supposed to not that I'm saying everybody does right don't quote me on this but but there there's a there's a way people look at nightlife businesses I remember a few uh, people I wanted to rent apartments from who didn't want to give me like let me rent it just because I had a, a bar and a nightlife business so there is a How do you say stigma on people who run yeah. run the nightlife businesses uh, we really try to break it and, and show that this is a legit successful big economic uh, you know type of business but and what was the integration of tech into it so what, what was different about you know rather than just saying okay, I'm gonna open up 
a bar like you know we've seen and they do in homage to other but how how do you actually go about and you know leveraging these different uh, expertises that you bring with you to try and make it more successful so i think it's a good question i think uh, the one thing important to know about me and also about the team and my, my founders and my uh, the people who work with us we are really tech savvy. So from uh, my, my very first company was when I was 15, I actually started to build website. I'm uh, just at a side note, I'm 37 these days. So we're looking uh, like 20 years, more than 20 years ago. Internet just started to be in Israel. Um, I wasn't such a good uh, um, a student at school. And I really like tech. So I kind of like uh, taught myself how to program. It was Perl back then all command line, you know, super ugly, no IDs, no anything. And, and I started to build websites for companies. I actually built the first like website with a, with, um, uh, with a database for uh, Manpower, like a big Manpower company. Their name was actually Namepower. The brand name was Manpower. Wow. Um, so this is where I started. And, and when we started uh, uh, Barky, which is, which is the nightlife business, um, we really wanted to focus on the business side. And then as, as this started and grow and, and started to be more stable, all of our tech-savvy expertise come in place. And we started to think of, okay, how can we make things that are cooler? How can we right. make it efficient? Uh, the first thing we have done is that we said, okay, one of the biggest problems in the nightlife industry, I don't know if you ever sat in a bar and, and the bartender like poured a beer and then his keg ran out and you got this explosion, right? right. And you got messy, everybody gets messy. And also from, from a technical standpoint, not many, many people know that, depending on the length of your um, pipe, there's a lot of uh, uh, beer going to waste. Because this explosion, this is when all the gas gets into the pipeline, it's meant that for a while you need to know poor beer that you just need to throw out because it's going to be super gassy. As a bar, we used to have, don't, don't take me on this, I'm not sure, I think we had 11 beers at, at the highest peak. We have like every every beer line had like at least three meters of uh, you know kegs running through, so you have eleven one and multiply by three meters for each. You're talking about tons of beer going to waste. So we started to investigate how we can actually uh, uh, stop this, and we found that there is this tool. I'm not even sure what's his name, but it's like this small cup that you can install on the keg, which like when when it explodes, when the keg ends, it kind of like capsulates the gas. And, and stop it from, from stealing. And instead of having all the gas getting into the pipeline, it just put it like a side. And then you can, you can just uh, unheal it on the side instead of getting it into the keg. Once we've done that and we installed, we, we, hire, we uh, ordered this from the United States from like a super expert brewery who have all this equipment. We installed it and then, and then we immediately saw like a huge drop in the amount of beer we had to, to spill down. And then we said, okay, that's, that's not tech. That's cool, but that's not tech. And then we said, okay, what if we will put flumeters on those, on those uh, um, whatever the name of this product, I forgot it. Uh, it has like an official brand name. Um, what if you put flumeters and then we will connect these flumeters into a simple program that will kind of like ping every once in a while the flumeter and see, see how we're doing. We can actually measure how many beer of every keg we're actually using. And if we know what is the exact milliliter that we have poured, we can then recalculate all of our business me uh, mechanism on the back end better. So we started to do that, and from that we grew to, to say, okay, that's cool. Now that we know exactly how much beer we poured, why don't we give the power to the customers? Why don't we let them pour the beer and then pay for exactly what they pour? And instead of keeping it uh, tight to, you know, uh, 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 like a pine or a third liter or half a liter glasses, we'll just give them a generic glass, something around like this, 
like a regular 333 uh, milliliter glass, and they will pour whatever they want. Because you don't always want to pour the whole glass. Sometimes you want to take like small zips because you want to keep it fresh. Um, and we build like this um, self-serving bar, which you can sit on. You'll get a real tap, like a bartender. You get a glass and you just pour as much as you want and you have a screen oh, that's so that shows you. Yeah, and, and you can actually pour whatever you want. You give us your credit card at the beginning of the night. It, there's also a business mechanism behind it saying that you're probably, you're probably going to drink more. Which is, right. you know, you don't want everybody, anybody to be drunk or drive or something, but at the end you want to sell more. That's that's the right. one way of selling. And when this pro, when this uh, uh, um, project started to grow, we went over to Coca Cola and said, "Hey, we have this cool thing we've built. Why don't you fund that? And if it's going to work here at our bar, which was a big place here in Haifa, Israel, uh, you can take it naturally because we are not gonna, we want to stay in our business. So that's what our first, you know, bar nightlife uh, related uh, technology thing." By the way, it failed. <laughs> it didn't work at all. But but it was a great experience in uh, in terms of working with Coca Cola. But you, but what I love is that we focus, you know, uh, eight minutes talking about you know the journey and and the exciting parts of it and the innovative nature of it and and why that was such an exciting time and uh, you know a fruitful time. And then obviously you know the, the end the end is is interesting, but it's not the important piece of the whole puzzle. It's, know the the, the the bill of success throughout yeah. that segment of the journey and itself you take that same excitement and you bring it now to people and you're and you're now instead of integrating technology with nightlife you're integrating technology with something that is a uh, very low tech uh, on purpose which is sports right sports are very right. human uh, the human to human interaction is, is is important it's live you know rather than what we're getting used to today which is all pre-recorded uh, so it's a it's a whole different industry what is sort of your insight into the sports industry and the fan industry that you say, okay, I think there's a room here for something like Pico? So it's a good question. First of all, it's not sports only. So Pico is maybe in sports, we are a leading, leading company. Uh, we are also operating in other, uh, in other industries like the esports. Uh, we also have some traction coming from, uh, uh, you know, being consumer brands, part of a partnership we have with SAP. Uh, but let's focus on sports for a second because it's uh, one of our biggest verticals. Uh, Pico is currently working with 60 professional sports teams from around the globe, uh, mostly professional from the NHL, NFL, you know, Bundesliga, Premier League, the bigger, the bigger part of, of the sports industry. Um, I think that the one thing we, we pretty quickly noticed is that there is a big gap, and the gap is, is more of an emotional one. In one side, you have a fan who is, like you said, fanatics, he's on the Coliseum, he's doing everything. To, 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 you know, to get in front of the brand he loves, the team he loves. And then he does a lot or she does a lot in order to get their attention. They follow them. They look at what they do. They engage. They watch. They spend a lot of their energy and time on, on being part, taking part of this brand. Um, on the other side, there is a sport team. Well, like you said, it's an old school type of uh, brand sometimes. Um, some of them are more innovative than the others. But at the end of the day, they are focused on the sports. That's what they do best. All the rest is kind of like a, a rap to the sports, which doesn't really know the fan. Right. This is the number one emotional gap. There is one side that is in love, and the other side doesn't even know that. Like, they know that there's a lots of in love fans, but they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're in love at. Right. How could they satisfy their need of attention? So the, the problem with the bigger clubs is that they're so big and so noisy that it sometimes looks like everything is okay and that this relationship doesn't have a gap. In, right. if, if you dive in deeper, you see that at the end of the day, 
if you would ask most sports teams, the bigger one of the world, do you know which fan like which player in your team? Which you you know that could that could uh, help you assume what's the passion? Why why does he follow the team? What's what's keep him up? You know from uh, on doing this, they would say we don't. So you're saying okay that doesn't make sense. I had a relatively small compared to a sport team a relatively small business and I knew everybody. I have data about everybody. Anyone who bought something, anybody who sits, we had this uh, subscription uh, royalty program. Like we did a lot in order to gain data about the people who come to the bar because that's that's the way we were marketing them. And and I think in bars life, in nightlife business, nobody is in love with the bar. You you go to one bar today, you'll go to another tomorrow. There's almost zero emotional connection here. There's such a deep emotional connection. People could you know uh, 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 fan a team, like a team from the day they're born to the day they're dying, and at the end of the day, the team doesn't know that you exist. And that's a gap. So, that, that's... so strange. Um, you know, it's not so strange when you really think of that from... Um, it's not coming from, you know, bad pers- purposes. It's coming from the way people consume these days. And, and when you're consuming content or things that you love today, you're not always aware of how many uh, processes are happening in the middle between, you know, A to Z. And what happened in sports, and it happens in other industries, in, industries as well, that sports are so focused on the engagement, on creating the content, on creating the things that's going to make you come in and engage with them. And they didn't spend enough time because mostly because they don't have the expertise because they are sports team. They know how to play sports. Um, they didn't spend time on understanding who you are. Like they're not always aware of the, of the ability to create like a fan journey that will lead for them knowing better who you are and then, you know, convert you better. In sport, conversion is not necessarily sell you something. It could be just let's send you the right content you want to see instead of seeing generic content. You know, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. How do you actually go about and now helping these, you know, these teams integrate and and understand get insights into their fan base? So how do you actually go about you know taking all of that like you no know, black hole and making it as transparent as possible for them so that they can you know actually take actionable insights from that? Right. So. First of all, you mentioned transparency in one of the important pieces when you're running a data company, especially in these markets, which are very, very sensitive to, you know, to the way they look to the outside and they want to create a good experience. That's actually, of course, everything is about the experience. Transparency is important. And when we are gathering data and and helping teams understand their fans better, the the fans also know that we're doing that. So it's super transparent. And when a fan shares data with us, he does or she does that in a way that they know that this goes to building their relationship with the team. It doesn't go to any other evil purposes. And that's, uh, that's important. Um, the way we operate is that we, we know teams are very good at engagement, but we know they don't know who they're engaging with. So we build uh, a suite of tools. It's now pretty wide with lots of sub-products and such, but it knows how to take engagement on any digital channel, whether it's the website, the app, social networks, whatever. Identify the fans who are engaging and then progressively add data about them. So we are creating like one source of truth for every fan. And then we keep building data about each of them. So at the first interaction with you, we might get your email. And then at the second interaction, we will ask you who is your favorite player. And then what's your merchandise preferences and so on. Right. The data So let's say, uh, ideally, we want to have around 30 different data points on each fan. And then we use these data points in order to create this profile, which then the data which then is then connected to build better marketing campaigns. So more of a technical side, how it works. We have, we are analyzing what's engaging. We're looking at the team digital channels. We're looking what's 
mostly engaged by fans. We take this content and we're attaching experiences and activations to this content, like fun things fans like to play. So let's say uh, game day content is also very, is all, always very engaging. You can have like, today is the game day, you can have a prediction game of who's going to score the first goal tonight or who's going to win. This experience is built by Pico and, and it will always be engaging because this is the, the game day is when fans are at the highest peak. So then we, in, this, in this two-sided marketplace, what is the sort of the responsibility then on the consumer? So as a fan of the company, what is my interaction with Pico in that regard? First of all, you don't know Pico exists. Pico is white label and it's embedded inside the channels of the team. So you would see a Facebook post or a Twitter a tweet or a section at the website or a notification at the app or a banner at the app saying like, um, who do you think is going to score tonight? Click here to vote or click here to play. You click it, you start a game. This game asks you, who do you think you want to score? It's very graphic. It's very fun. You pick, it ends. But during this game, we will ask you, hey, Michael, um, uh, we are giving away uh, a jersey you know, of your favorite player, of one of the voters today. How do you want us to announce that? What's your email address? What's your phone number? How do you prefer us to communicate with you? So now you, we have your email. And when we ask you for an email, we would say, okay, Michael, would you like us, would you allow us to use this email to uh, further communicate with you? And you can say yes, you can say no. If you say yes, then you're getting into the, you know, subscription plan and all that. Uh, you get newsletters and such. If no, that's fine. We will not bug you. We know that you're a fan who don't want, like, ongoing communication. You just want to be occasional whenever it works for you. And then at the second game you play, we already know your email address. Now we will ask you, great, Michael, uh, if you're going to get this jersey we just offer, which of the players would you like to sign it? Right? And then you pick it. We know who your favorite player now. And so on. So we have this process that every time we put you in front of different content, it's not always games, you know, this was a very rough example. It's not always that raw. But, but the idea that we're engaging with, with fans in a way that allows them to share information, we have an ongoing conversation with them. Through this conversation or through this communication, we ask them questions. So this is the one, the one hat of Pico. This, this process brings in a lot of data because fans are very happy to share. They, they are very, um, very enthusiastic about the fact that the team actually cares about them and want to learn more about them. So they're sharing a lot. This builds a big, ba- a big database. Now the second step, is to take this data, segment it, normalize it in a way that we can have, um, we can build recommendations to teams what to do. The most obvious use case would be, you know, taking as an example, the Los Angeles Lakers. On Christmas time, we are saying, hey, Lakers, you have 30,000 fans who express an interest in a jersey and also their favorite player is LeBron. So let's send out a marketing campaign to them at any channel, at the channel that they engage with you. So Facebook fans are going to get a Facebook promotion, Twitter going to get on Twitter, and so on. And the call to action would be, hey, Michael, here is the jersey of LeBron you wanted. Click here to get it a 20% discount. So there's much higher conversion that way instead of just sending you to the store with a discount. Right. Exactly. This is not just relevant for sports. This is relevant for any brand that wants to make meaningful connection. We see this across the board from high tech to low tech. It's it, It has like, you know, sports, I think, is just a great vertical because you already have that, you know, proof of concept that fans want to be engaged with the brand. They want, they want to be, you know, diehard fans, even when right. there's a lot of friction. And I think what's remarkable here is that what you're saying is that there is actually a lot of friction right now for for you for people to be really fans, right? You know, it's not the teams have a hard time uh, facilitating that and giving those opportunities, and they're still doing it. 
So they've already sort of done the product market fit for you. You just go in and, and facilitate that behavior and say, okay, can we extrapolate this behavior to also other brands around the world? Exactly. So I think if you look at sports and the difference between sports and other markets, it's not even sports, it's entertainment compared to other markets because music has the same problem. Like if you, if you like Justin Bieber, you're following him, you're watching his videos, you're listening to his music, but he doesn't know you exist. So we're, you're already there. And, and the, the difference between sports and entertainment compared to other industries is that other industries will pay a lot to get the traffic sports gets for free. And, and the fact that we don't need to bring in the traffic, the traffic is already there. There's already, already a bucket of tons of fans who are engaging. That's, that's where it comes and started to be really interesting. So we always, you know, cherry picking the industries we're operating at, which is, this is the main formula. We, we want to have high engagement rates. We are not the type of companies that will bring in the traffic. Like we can, but that's not the technology. The technology is about operating in spaces where there is a lot of engagement. I can give you an example of another market we are looking at now with the SAP partnership. We look at consumer packaged goods. Companies like Nestle, they don't have, they're not selling to the end consumer. They're selling to the retailers. These retailers, you know, like Walmart, they're selling the end cereal to the, to the customer. Like if, you know, if I like uh, Frosties in the morning, uh, the, the, the brand, I'm, I'm not even sure Nestle is, is the, I'm not sure if it's true, Frosties is Nestle, but let's assume it is. Um, if I'm consuming Nestle, if I'm consuming Frosties, Frosties Nestle has no, has no data about me, right? But they are spending a lot on creating a digital engagement. They have influencers, they have blogs, they have this that wraps up their marketing system. And at the end of the day, they don't have data about the end consumer. So they are now starting to use our technologies in order to create engagements that really drive data, less for uh, marketing directly to the consumer because they don't have a selling point, more for understanding who they are, what their unique preferences, and then building their own whole strategy around that. Because currently they're buying market research from you know, Deloitte, McKinsey, and all these uh, big brands, uh, which at the end of the day is not necessarily based on one-to-one interactions with fans. Right. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And Asaf, you know, uh, like we said before, we can go on talking about this for for hours. Right. I, I like think that me at some point. <laughs> I think what you're doing with Pico is is phenomenal, and I think that this whole idea of of, of facilitating engagement and and understanding that there is a marketplace here that both sides want it, uh, and there is this big gap, uh, just like in the nightlife uh, industry that you found. I think that it's a very similar behavior. Uh, and I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Twenty minutes go by so so fast. Uh, but really, right. thank you for spending this time with me. And uh, I have the most important question before we end, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Wow. Three. I can give you one. Uh, I already have two. Okay, so let's try. So first and foremost, I think on the very core, I'm a builder. So I like to build stuff. That, that's the first one. Um, the second one, I think, I'm not sure I was always like that, but I learned to be optimistic. I think op- optimism is one of the most important uh, you know, key factors you have to be when you go to entrepreneurship, uh, being able to see good stuff on when everything crashes, that's super important. Um, I think the third one word, um, I think resilience, like I'm resilient. I'm, I'm not affected that much with, you know, with failures and such. I love it. Asaf, thank you very, very, very much. Best of luck with Pico. And I look forward to sharing this with Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Michael.